Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have the short sale queen, Nicole Espinoza on. Nicole, I really appreciate your time. This is going to be a great conversation because, uh, to be honest, we haven't had a lot of short sale conversations on the show. So really appreciate your time. You can find Nicole on YouTube. So make sure there's a ton of videos out there. A lot of great content. Really want to push everybody to your YouTube channel. So look for the short sale queen. Otherwise, you can find her at... Uh, the the ssqueen.com. Um, and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes as well. But really appreciate your time, Nicole. Thanks for joining me. Yes. Thanks for having me. I look forward to the conversation. So I, uh, I always want to start things off. I just try not to assume everybody knows what we're talking about. So let's yeah. start with defining what a short sale is. Absolutely. So a short sale is where a homeowner um, is in financial financial distress. So they have some type of financial hardship. Uh, they can't afford their mortgage anymore for any number of reasons, right? Loss of job or you know the pandemic, COVID, divorce, all of the above. Um, and they owe more than the house is actually worth. So they owe between their mortgages, um, you know, second liens, homeowner associations, whatever they owe when it regards to the house, they owe more than they actually um, than the house is actually worth. So if they went to go sell the house, they'd have to come to closing with money. And so people in this situation end up losing their home uh, because they can't even afford to sell it and they can't afford to keep it. Um, so what we do is we help homeowners that are in that situation. And instead of them taking the loss, instead of them coming to closing with money or just losing the house to foreclosure, we get their bank to take less than what is owed. Um, and that homeowner gets to walk away free and clear from that debt and be able to move forward with their you know, in the next chapter of their lives. So why, why would a bank even consider this as an option? Yeah. So the bank consider is willing to take a loss because if they were to actually foreclose at the end of the day, they're only going to get what the market value is, right? So if they were to foreclose, they'd have to incur all of these fees. They'd have to take the house back and the bank is not in the business of, you know, owning real estate. So they, you know, would rather settle with the homeowner that's cooperating and that's willing to maintain the home as they go through the process. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said, they're only going to get market value anyway. So what they owe is really irrelevant, which is why they're willing to settle. Sure. So can you talk a little bit like how does how does your team get involved? Is this is this something that you train other people on how to negotiate? Um, you know, because I get I get I mean, that's part a big part of my business is people contacting me on a regular basis. And there's been a couple of times where we frankly have had to pass because they've owned owed more than I could really pay for the for the place. But how does that relationship work? Yeah. Great question. So we partner with, so first of all, my company, we are nationwide. So we're right now in 14 markets, 14 States, and we partner with investors, real estate investors all over the country. We're hundred percent referral and how that collaboration works is in your situation. Like what you just said, you've had to pass on properties. So you literally just walked away from that lead, but we both know in order to get these leads, first of all, it's expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Getting yep. the data, 
you know, taking the time to call. And then once you build rapport and you find someone that wants to sell, it's like so defeating, you know, having to move forward, right. To, to pass on that lead. So your cost per lead goes up significantly. So what, instead of walking away, if you refer it to us, we pre-qualify the homeowner and we represent them to negotiate with the bank. And in turn also represent you to negotiate your offer with the bank. So now you have the opportunity to buy the house at market value at a discount discount instead of walking away because the homeowner owes too much. So that's how we come into play. We represent the homeowner. We make sure that they're taken care of, that their debt is settled um, so that they can walk away. And we give that investor an opportunity where he wouldn't you know, have one otherwise. Sure. No, this is just really interesting. So based on your experience then, how long have you been doing this? 10 years, almost 10 11, years. next month. So based on your experience, um, what type of information have you had to learn to collect? I'm sure there's a lot of preparation involved in order to make it appealing for the bank to to kind of go with this. Yeah. So there's actually a whole short sale packet. Um, and our whole philosophy is to be proactive instead of reactive. So we're not, we want to get everything sent at once, almost like, you know, putting in a pretty little package and putting a bow on top to, to make it, you know, as easy as possible for the bank. And it also cuts down our processing time. So in the industry, the standard is about a year plus for a short sale to close if it closes, because let's be real, most of them don't. Um, and for us, our processing time is two to three months. So that's significantly different because we know each bank's process. So we know that if it's an FHA Wells Fargo, we know exactly what Wells Fargo is going to need. And it's completely different than Chase. Mm -hmm. So we submit all of that information up front. We have an entire short sale packet. And because we're pre-qualifying the homeowner, we're making sure up front, we're doing our due diligence to make sure that we can actually close on the deal. Uh, we're not going to take something on that, you know, something's going to pop up later. We're going to ask all the right questions and get the information we need up front. What are a couple of those items that you have to check off then? Like some of the big ones that like make it a, you know, like an investor like I who runs into these, these opportunities before we're going to vet it out a little bit ourselves, you know, before we get you involved, what are a couple of those check marks that we mentally can check off saying, okay, this could be potentially a short sale deal and I should involve the, the short sale queen? Absolutely. So really just getting the, the payoffs, um, finding out what's owed on the property, because sometimes, you know, you sometimes a homeowner can like verbally give you like, hey, um, you know, I owe 150, but the actual payoffs 200, right? And so a lot of these deals fall apart when someone's in pre-foreclosure because people don't do their due diligence up front. And so they operate on the basis that the homeowner is being straightforward and telling you accurate numbers instead of verifying. Um, and a lot of it's just honestly ignorance. They look at their mortgage statement, or they may even provide you a copy of the mortgage statement and understanding, not understanding that that balance has nothing to do with the actual payoff because that's that unpaid principal balance that's on the mortgage statement is only based off of if that home is current. But if they've been behind for years, it's going to be completely different taxes, the escrow, um, plus the, you know, um, past due balances are going to change that payoff significantly. And the reason why that's so important is because that's going to affect your numbers, right? So if you're trying to determine if you have a deal or not, you have to figure out what is owed so that you can figure out if it's, if it even makes sense to move forward. So as you're asking questions to 
homeowner, you know, asking, you know, what is owed on the property, a homeowner's association dues, other liens, and of course that payoff balance. Um, generally what we find is that if a homeowner's behind on one thing, they're behind on everything else. So it's important to get all of those numbers so that you can figure out where, where you stand with the property. You already talked about um, well, let's, I was going to say, you already talked to, well, let's go this way. <laughs> I'm going to edit this a little bit out. So you mentioned pre-foreclosure, like, is there a point of no return? Like you found that, uh, well, you probably a little too late to try to negotiate this short sale. So there's really no like point of no return. I mean, really it's, within, unless you're like within days of an actual sale date, right? So if someone's in pre-foreclosure, that means that they don't have an active foreclosure date yet. Mm -hmm. If they have a foreclosure date, that's when the time is click is, um, uh, that's when the time starts, right? Because you're like, okay, I only have X amount of days before we have to do something before they lose the home. Mm -hmm. Um, now the rule of thumb for, to submit, to be able to negotiate is 37 days that you need before an active sale date, but we're able to get them stopped within weeks of a foreclosure date. Now, when you start getting down to like a week, that's when you're like, okay, we might have to, you know, do legal options. Um, It's just really going to depend on the situation because everybody's situation is different. And then you, you mentioned the other numbers, like, you know, whether it's past due fees and maintenance and insurance and a few other taxes, Are there other parties involved that you also negotiate with as well then, or is it strictly just the bank note? Absolutely. We have to negotiate with everyone involved. So if there's with homeowner associations, oh, they're such pain in the butt. Like, so those are probably worse than the banks, honestly. (laughs) Um, But we, but yeah, HOA companies, um, which are homeowner associations, you've got uh, second lien holders. um, If they have like an 80, 20 loan, uh, mechanics liens, judgments, I mean, anything that's clouding title. It almost sounds like you're doing a preliminary title search and, and, and like a close, like a, like, like a title company trying to determine what might have been missed otherwise. Oh, absolutely. The first thing we do is pull title because we have to know what we're negotiating. So we get payoffs for everything and that's how we determine, you know, how we move forward. Sure. Just a reminder for everybody, head over to the ssqueen.com or, or definitely look up the short sale queen on YouTube for a lot more details here. I I have a feeling we're just brushing the tip of the iceberg when it comes to a lot of information here uh, regarding short sales. So um, with your experience, then it it also sounds like there's a very set process that you're now you've become over the last 10 years, very familiar with when it comes to the large institutions. I mean, uh, let's just face fact. I mean, that's, that's the situation usually that they're just following their processes. Um, so you're just preemptively filling those processes, reducing what could es- essentially take a year down to just a couple months regarding that short sale. Yeah, absolutely. The process is everything, right? Understanding the process is huge because I always reference like it's like the blind leading the blind. If you're sending in something to the bank and the bank, you're waiting on the bank, and the bank's waiting on you because you don't understand the next steps, right? Um, it's our job to get this done. If it's up to the bank, it's going to go to foreclosure because they don't care. So the negotiators have anywhere from 350 to 500 
like files, listings that they're looking at. So they're not going to be on top of everything, right? There's a lot of them that they don't even touch. So it's our job to stay in front of them, to have them look at it and move it along so that we can get to the next steps. And that's really what we do. I mean, our, our company, my company is really based off of um, emulating the bank. Like we have a processor, someone that's going through all the paperwork. And then we have a negotiator that's going to be assigned to the deal that takes it all the way to closing. And then I have my operations manager that's supervising everything. I mean, we literally uh, manage over a hundred um, deals a month. So it's a lot of human beings um, all over the country. So in order for us to be able to continue to scale, just like any other company, we have to have our processes fine-tuned. Sure. So you say a hundred deals a month, are those the number of leads you start with each month or are those the, or how do, how does it look for you? Like out of, out of a hundred, how many get to a short sale close? So a hundred is what we're processing. So like right now, I believe we have like 104, like in, in our pipeline. And those are what short sales that we're actively working on. And every month we're actively closing them out and we're actively getting new uh, short sale listings. Um, so it's just going to depend on that month. Like this month we had, you know, 32 closings and then the other files are going to go into next month because it, it's all going to be in different stages, sure. but it's a lot of human beings that we're, that we're managing between the investors that are referring to us, um, that we're working with to, you know, the bank, to the actual homeowners, um, that we're dealing with. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. So I'm guessing then that since you're working with probably the same set of individuals at these banks on a fairly regular basis, that it probably helps considerably because you start to build a relationship with some of these people and uh, they they know your work and it, it probably helps things along a little bit. It does. I mean, we have relationships at every bank, right? Escalations. We know where to go. I mean, it's really all about asking the right questions and talking to the right people. If And that's the best advice I can give someone is if you're stuck or if you don't, you know, you can't get anywhere on a deal, you're either talking to the wrong person or you're asking the wrong questions. And I think that absolutely applies to short sales, but I feel like that applies to everything. So now let's let's go back to the to the seller a little bit. Do you work with the seller at all? Like uh I'm I'm guessing for the most part most sellers this is going to be a very a, a pretty new concept or that they may not even realize that this could be an option. And what type yeah, so, of education do you have to give them? So homeowners the the homeowners the sellers are our clients. So the first phone call we're making to get them on board cuz they have to sign all the paperwork, they have to um you know, know, include all the financial, their financials, um, and we're keeping them updated weekly. And that is so crucial because these homeowners are, you know, kind of have their head in the sand. Um, they are a little delusional and you're absolutely right. They, they really don't know. They just know that they need help. They're about to lose their home and they're getting bombarded by attorneys and investors and agents and all these people trying to solicit them and the bank, you know, in their ear. So we spend a lot of time educating our clients, making sure that they understand, you know, is this the right option for them because they're losing their home and understanding why it is. Um, Because honestly, the majority of the time, the short sale is the best option if someone's in foreclosure. It makes no sense to modify your loan through a loan modification and increase your balance and only pay into a loan you can't get out from underneath. Right. right. What the whole point of homeownership is to build equity. 
right? We can agree on that. That's the entire point. So why would you want to continue to have your balance increase and pay into a home that you can never get, you know, get out from underneath um, or lose the home and not be able to purchase again and have it ruin you, your credit and have them, you know, leave yourself open to liability. So the short sale really is the best option where you can walk away free and clear from your debt. You have someone like us, representing you and you're not paying like in, in what world can you get representation for free? Right. Cause the bank pays us. Right. So that's the other huge thing is that the homeowner gets all this help and someone advocating for them, you know, at no cost. Yeah. So I was going to ask you how you make your money. I mean, try to be transparent that way, but you, you just said that the, the bank pays you. Uh, so they obviously value your, your experience and what you're doing here. It, it, and, and it's really important to to note that you know, it's it's sometimes a little hard to grasp exactly why a homeowner might consider something like this, but or why a bank would consider something like this. But when you take into account the the legalities, the fees, and everything associated with foreclosure, uh, yeah. they're trying. They would rather get it off the books probably as soon Absolutely. as possible. Absolutely, because and on top of that, you have no idea how long it's going to take to evict someone, or if they're going to trash the house, bringing the property values down because now it's vacant and stripped. Then they have to pay for a foreclosure attorney. Meanwhile, they're incurring all of these costs and not getting anything. So, mm-hmm. absolutely, if the homeowner cooperates and they're willing to go through this, then th- this will be a much better option financially for the bank. So, then uh, let's talk about the back end. How does the ins- how does the investor work with you in order to acquire the the property? So, the investor that's referring it over to us is purchasing the property, but they're purchasing it um, through the bank. So the seller is signing off on their offer and picking you know, that offer because it's their house. Um, but the bank is the one approving the investor's offer um, and approving the buyer um, in order to take a loss. Because the entire point of the short sale is that if the bank approves that they're going to put in writing, that they're agreeing to take the loss and the approval letter is buyer specific. So they have to approve the buyer. Um, honestly, it's mostly because they want to make sure that there's no fraud going on. Um, you know, you're not on some blacklist because over the last decade, there's been, you know, like with anything else, right? There's been so much fraud and scams and things like that. So um, as far as working with us, we're the ones advocating and negotiating your offer. So when, if you were to refer something over to us and partner with us, we would work with you saying, Hey, do you have any repair bids? Tell us everything uh, you can about the property so that we can try to negotiate to get down to the price that you need to buy it. Because at the end of the day, if the house doesn't finance, if we can't get a traditional buyer, an investor has to buy it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we need to get it down to a price where you can make a profit so that it makes sense for you as well. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So you're, you really come armed with, with that offer and justification as to what how what the investor can really pay. Yes, absolutely. And then that investor will have the first right refusal. You know, not every deal works out. And if it doesn't, then we'll pay you for the lead. Uh, but the goal is for you to be able to buy as many properties as possible. Well, there there's a there's a little reward there anyway. What what would be the typical investor referral fee if it didn't work out? So we can't pay a referral fee, right? Because you're you're not licensed, but we can pay you for the lead. So we pay you 25% of whatever we make. Okay. Well, and so you'll get paid after closing for the lead, just like, you know, you buy leads from Zillow and all these other places that were buying the lead from you. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems to be different from one place to the next, but you, you're essentially, you're, you're paying for the lead. I, I, I understand. Okay. 
Well, it, just as a reminder again, if for those that might be interested and to learn a little bit more, head over to find the YouTube channel, The Short Sale Queen. Otherwise, you can go to the ssqueen.com. This has really been an interesting conversation, but uh, before I let you go, um, and I, I warned you it was coming, is there a question you wish we would have uh, covered here today? Um, so I think the only thing, especially because your audience is mostly real estate investors, right? And in the mm-hmm. community, I think it's it's very important to remember that our job is to provide solutions. And that ultimately, you know, looking at somebody like, like myself and my company that does short sales as another tool in your tool belt. So you, you specifically may just be a wholesaler, or you may just be a real estate investor that does you know, buy and holds or flips or whatever your niche is or whatever you focus on, it's important to have those relationships so that you have a resource for every single lead that comes in your way. That's that's the only way that you're going to do, you know, more deals, going to make more money and keep that cost per lead down. So we always say, you know, look at us as another tool in your toolbox that you can, you know, uh, be able to get that cost down and, and help more people. You know, th- that what you just said there, that really struck me. Like, um, because as a real estate investor, we're always looking for ways in which, you know, we have tried to have an exit strategy for every property. But what you're suggesting is we should technically have an exit strategy for every lead. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's a very interesting concept. I think people really should take note of that. Absolutely. So, well, I, I really appreciate your time. This was, this was great. I hope you'll consider coming back again sometime. Um, again, head over to YouTube, the short sale queen. I, I, like I said, I'm sure we just, just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg on, on this. And you can probably go into details because I can imagine that you run into a lot of one-off small banks even, and, and you probably even have to educate a small bank and, and what a short sale oh, is. Oh yeah. We, we train even the banks <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine because sometimes those people, some people may not even just don't have an, an idea of what it would cost associated with a full foreclosure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate your time again. I hope we'll chat again sometime very soon. All right. Thank you. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.